0: Oh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we count in honor to be in your house on today. And what's so unique to, about today is this is Palm Sunday, where we remember the fact that it was on Palm Sunday, that people were just singing praises to Christ and just saying Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they were just shouting his name. And then the authorities said, no, you you shouldn't have people praising you. But Jesus told them, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out and praise, him, praise me. So the people were singing Hosanna in the highest and waving palm branches, praising his name. That's why we celebrate this day. But also, Lord God, what's so amazing is right after that moment, they were yelling, crucify him and let him die. Lord God, we remember this time. We remember this season. We give you our time, our attention, our thoughts. I pray, Lord God, that no one will be distracted by a person to the left or to the right of them. That no one will be distracted by somebody vibrating at their, on their phone in their pocket, Lord God. I pray that they will be attentive and hear your word and your challenge for today. And Heavenly Father, as always, I count it an honor to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our topic for today is: What in the world are you doing, and where are you going? What in the world are you doing, and where are you going? You guys can turn on the regular lights too. Now, when I hear the term "What in the world are you doing, and where are you going?" often, when um, when I share the word, I have um, I'll tell you to turn and tell your neighbor you know, hello, or, or repeat after me, whatever it is that I, the topic is. But today, when I when I saw the title, what in the world are you doing or where are you going? I can just imagine myself standing there, looking in the mirror, and you know, I don't know about you, but I tend to sometimes stand in the mirror and talk to myself and say, what in the world is that? What are you wearing? You thought that looked good, but that does not look good. You know, your hair is going one-sided, or whatever it is, you're, you're talking to yourself. Why am I here? What am I doing? What am I doing in Savannah? What am I doing going back to school? Whatever it is you tend to talk to yourself in the mirror. So I want you to imagine yourself talking to yourself in the mirror saying what in the world are you doing and where are you going. So come on repeat after me say what in the world are you doing, and where are you going? Let's say it to yourself again. What in the world are you doing, and where are you going? Our question for the day is have you ever felt like your life was going in the wrong direction but it was the right direction have you ever felt like your life was going in the wrong direction but it was the right direction when i saw that question it made me think of when we first uh, moved into uh, the facility that we had just prior to building this building we haven't always been here we moved in the, into this building in 92 but the ministry actually started off in, in, uh, in the 70s in, um, in our home. And my mom is the founder of Overcome My Faith, so it actually started in our home. Then we moved from our home to a facility on Whitaker Street, which was like a storefront. Then we went from Whitaker Street to Bull Street. Bull Street was like a storefront also, and it was across from Sacred Heart. Well, the owner of Bull Street decided that he didn't want to rent anymore. He wanted to uh, sell the building. And so by that time, Pastor Rick was pastor, and we started hunting, looking for the right building. So one day, he actually drove me to a facility on East Broad just before 37th Street. And he said, Diane, I think this is the building God has for us. Well, understand, it was an abandoned looking building, and I mean extremely abandoned looking. It had an old, looked like a giant TV antenna on the top of the building that went up to the sky, and and it had windows that apparently the kids would just throw rocks through the windows. So you'd have this broken pane glass going all the way across the front. Some of it was covered by wood, but most of it was still just broken glass. And so when he drove me up to the, to the building and he said, I think this is it, I broke out laughing. I said, you are teasing, right? Because he, you know, he'll play jokes on you sometimes. I said, you are joking? He said, no, I'm serious. I said, I just don't believe this is what God has for us. You are playing. He said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. And so that's the direction we went into. Even though I thought it was the wrong direction, it was actually the right direction. We renovated that building three times. Are there any individuals who used to go to the East Broad facility? Okay, see, they're still in here. We renovated that place three times. And believe it or not, that, in that building, we grew from as small as 40 to 50 people all the way up to 700 people in that building that I laughed at. In that building that I laughed at, as we grew, we were forced to renovate. And we even tried buying property in the area so that we could at least park cars, because there was no parking lot. And the only reason why we started reaching beyond East Broad Street was because it was so many people. We had, we grew to, in the building that I laughed at, we grew to 700 people. In the building that I laughed at, we had hundreds of kids, and, our, and, and in the early days, we had no teen ministry because we had no teenagers. And we ended up having dozens of teens. We had three services in that building that I laughed at. It grew so much until we, could, we had to have three services. I think we had one like at 7.30, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It was 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock, something like that. Three services in the beat-up building that I laughed at but God honored that direction. Question for today, do you feel like your life is going in the wrong direction, but it's actually the right direction? We're gonna look at uh, the story of Christ, where Christ goes up to the Mount of Olives to pray. Now understand that just prior to this moment, um, had Christ and the disciples and they went about feeding. Thousands of people, and you had all of the miracles, and you had all the disciples walking day and night with Christ, going out, doing awesome things. And here, Christ knew that his time was winding up. He knew that he was here. He was placed on earth. He was God in the flesh so that he could be sacrificed. While on the other hand, the disciples felt like, oh, the king of the Jews has come. And now we're going to have someone to rule everybody. Let's look at Luke 22 and 39. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. What did Jesus do? What did he do? prayed father if you are willing take this cup from me not my will but yours be done an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow why are you sleeping he asked get up and do what so that you will not fall into temptation. Have you ever felt like your life was going in the wrong direction, but it was going in the right direction? We see that Christ had, was going in the right direction, but he had three concerns. And you think, well, why in the world would Christ have concerns? It's because Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And with him being God in the flesh, that means he had all of our fleshly issues. Would you believe Jesus had to take a bath? Amen, somebody. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was sleepy. You know, he had all those physical challenges and concerns. So here, Jesus was concerned. He was concerned about temptation. It says in verse 39, Jesus went out out as usual to the Mount Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He was concerned that his disciples would be tempted. Jesus was concerned about the difficulties that he was to face. Verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down, and even Jesus prayed and said, Father, if you're willing, God, if you can change your mind a little bit, I don't mind, but your will be done. An angel of the Lord had to come down and even encourage Jesus because he was God in the flesh. And then Jesus was concerned about the disciples. Even in the midst of his concern, his issue, what he knew he was to face, those individuals who travels with him, those individuals the disciples who love him, they are fast asleep. They're not even worrying about what is about to happen to Jesus. They're not even taking it seriously. Whenever you set out to do right, there will be first of all temptation. Temptation to doubt, thinking, am I going in the right direction? Is this the right decision? You attempted to stop and say, well, until I have clarity, I'm going to do absolutely nothing. I'm not even leaving this room. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not going to do anything until I have clarity. Sometimes you're tempted to change directions, to turn around, Turn around. I know I'm one of those where it's like, every time I leave the house, it's like, oh, did I close the garage? I end up driving down the street, turning around, and it's like, oh, garage, the door is closed. It just drives me crazy. You just are tempted sometimes when you're going in the right direction. You end up turning around because you're second guessing yourself. And then sometimes you're just tempted to run. God, I don't know if that's the right direction, so I'm gonna run as far away from this issue as possible. Temptation, temptation. Whenever you set out to do right, sometimes you feel absolutely overwhelmed. Anyone in the house have had moments where you just felt overwhelmed. Like, God, I don't think I could take any more, this is it. I'm gonna just spaz, I'm gonna lose it, I'll be overwhelmed. Here, Jesus was, it says that whenever you set out to do right, there are times when you feel overwhelmed. Why are you overwhelmed? You're overwhelmed by the unknown, you're overwhelmed by the process, you're overwhelmed by the timing to me a perfect example of this to me is parenting parenting can be an overwhelming process and for those who are the college ages and young people you don't know about it yet but all of your harvest is fitting to come i looked at my kids and said oh your harvest your harvest well, ricky used to love to throw and i said oh your harvest is coming i'm waiting i'm gonna teach milani how to throw something <laughs> Your harvest is coming. But in parenting, you're all excited. Just like you're excited about a new job. You're over, you're just excited about what's to come, and you're buying these little shoes and these cute little outfits, and and you're excited. But over time, that excitement of shopping begins to be where you don't have a waist anymore, and you can't even tie your shoes, and your feet have turned into doughboy feet. You're just overwhelmed. And then not only you overwhelmed, but your husband overwhelmed because he's thinking, how much is this going to cost? I thought I just had to buy a few little cute outfits and I'm done. It's like, no diapers are expensive, baby formula. My husband used to say, could that boy stop drinking so much? This thing costs a lot of money to get the baby formula. You can be overwhelmed by the unknown, what you don't know. You can be overwhelmed by the process. Just going through the entire process you could be overwhelmed by the timing and finally when you set out to do the right thing you often feel all alone alone now we see Christ was all alone he he was can you imagine traveling with the disciples and the disciples seeing all the miracles and you're telling them over and over again I know you guys want you know to be up on this big chair and in and a, and a temple and that's that's your image of a king but I'm actually a sacrificial king I'm come I will I am coming to earth I'm God in the flesh come to be a sacrifice for you Your image of what's to come is not the reality of what's coming. So any day now, they're going to come and grab me, arrest me, and sacrifice. And I will be a sacrifice any moment. But instead of them taking seriously, he said in the verses, I want you to pray. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to do what? Pray. But instead of praying, Jesus is just a stone's throw away. Instead of praying, they fall fast asleep. I want you to understand that when you choose to go in the right direction, don't be frustrated when you're all alone. When you choose, okay, I have taken this class, I am about to fail, I don't know what's gonna happen, so I'm going to seriously lock down. I'm not going out with all of these um, uh, St. Patrick's Day people with the green beer and all in the green afros, I'm not studying y'all, I'm focused on this class because that is the direction I need to go into. And believe it or not, nobody is saying, oh, how many of you want to go in the library and study with me? Like, Oh, look at the mobs of people No, you will be by yourself. How many of you want to go on this special diet with me and just be vegetarian for 90 days? It's like, oh, you by yourself. You know, how many want to go do this special work? How many of you want to go and do, go to work early and stay late and be the most efficient staff person? It's like, oh, no, it is 5 o'clock. As a matter of fact, it is 4.59 and 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. I'm out of there. But you're the one that says, nope, I'm going to stay until the task is done. You will be all by yourself. When you make a decision to do right, to go in the right direction, understand and accept that you will be alone. You will not have the crowd with you. Even Christ, who had disciples who traveled with him, who saw the miracles, fell asleep when he was at a point of challenge in his life. And he told them to pray, but they still went to sleep. What in the world are you doing and where are you going? going in the right direction but slow to believe understand what happened after after all of that Christ was arrested and you think what in the world did they arrest Christ for? I can see him being arrested because he was stealing bread from the market or something but no he was arrested because he said he was the son of God and you think well that's the truth it is the truth but because he said he was the son of God He was arrested. He asked, they asked the the crowd, What should we do with this man who claims he's the Son of God? The same crowd that yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest with the palm branches, began to yell, Crucify him and let him die. You think that's not fair? That's not right. It looks like it's the wrong direction, but it's actually the right direction. Jesus Christ was sacrificed placed on the cross, died, body placed in the tomb. And then all of a sudden, the tomb was empty. Ladies came to visit the tomb to place special ointment on his body, and the body was gone. Angels appeared to the women and told them, he's gone. Your Savior is no longer here. The ladies rushed back to the disciples to tell them, Jesus' body is gone. But of course, the disciples were like, what? What happened? Did somebody steal his body? What's going on? This is not what we planned So the disciples began to travel to a city called a town called Emmaus and on this road to Emmaus a gentleman begins to walk alongside the disciples The disciples did not know that that gentleman was Jesus. So let's look at Luke 24 and 25. He said to them this man walking with the disciples, said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? All throughout the scriptures it said the Messiah would have to suffer. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus took the time to explain it all over again. Just like sometimes we have to explain to your kids, why, why do you have to take a bath? You have to take a bath because you are going to light up the whole, all America. Why do you have to brush your teeth? Because your teeth will fall out of your head if you don't brush your teeth. He had to go back to the disciples and explain all the basics to them again. That it was all according to plan as they approached the village in verse 28 as they approached the village to which they were going jesus continued on as if he were going further but they urged him strongly stay with us for it's nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks broke it and began to give it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized finally that it was jesus Whenever you set out to do the right thing, sometimes you are slow to believe. Slow to believe even when you have advanced information. Slow to believe even when you have reminders. And many of us will say, oh, if I had a chance to walk with Jesus every day and see all the miracles and see the blind man now can see, I would not be crazy up like those disciples. Yes, you would. Because understand in life, in your life's path, there are many times you are given reminders. Many times you are told things to do and not to do, and you don't believe it. Your parents have told you, you need to make sure you get some sleep. You need to go to bed. No, by my hawk, I can stay up all night long, and there is no impact. Oh, eventually there will be an impact. Eventually. I know I do the all night with the girls lock-in every year, and I know that even though I'm wide awake, three, four, five o'clock in the morning and still just going at it, eventually it's going to hit me. And I will not know my name <laughs> in this last lock-in, I caught myself going to bed right at the lock-in ended. And I went, I said, I'm going to take a power nap because I'm really good at power naps. So I take a power nap around 11, restroom, like 11 to, to 1, or and that's a long party nap for me, 11 to 1 or 12 to 2, then I'm going to get up and go to Saturday service. I tried to lift my head, and my head said, I am not coming up. You know how you're, you're saying, head move, and the head said. <laughs> it was, it's like I was slow to believe. I thought that my body could do something that's like, even if you go back in time and and your mom says, girl, you better get some rest. You better get some sleep. You better go brush your teeth. You better floss. All those things. And when your teeth start falling out your head, you were slow to believe, tried to tell you. When those final exams come up and those who are in college, you're, you're winding down. April, I think the final exam's coming up in April. You delayed. You just had fun on River Street and did all that stuff. And you just had your spring break and partied on the beach. And now your papers are due tomorrow. <laughs> Time's winding up. You were slow to believe. The teacher told you. I used to teach high school and I would say, okay, the grades in here are not that good. So let's. I'm going to help you. Tomorrow, I will give you a test. The test will have these 20 questions. And here are the answers to these 20 questions. All you have to do is go home, study, know the answers, and you will make an A. And I even give you some bonus points. Some made the A, some were slow to believe, even though advanced information was given. That's our nature. Why do we struggle with going in the right direction? Why do we struggle? We struggle with going in the right direction because it's, first of all, a new season, it's a unique season, it's an isolating season, it's a faith-demanding season, and it's an intimidating season. Struggling with going in the right direction. It's like, we shouldn't struggle to go in the right direction, but sometimes it's new, it's unique, it's isolating, it's demanding and it's intimidating. The example that I thought of on this point was, when I first got married, I got married around, I think I may have been about 24 years old, and being newly married was a new season for me. It was a unique season for me because I'd lived all my life with parent, my parents, and then now, I'm living with somebody that I've known for less than two years. A unique season. It was an isolating season because I'm from Savannah. He's from California. When I got married, we had to move back, move to where he was, was in California. It was isolating. I'm not as, my husband will make friends with anybody and everybody next, I mean, he'll just start talking to people and I'm thinking, who is this now? You know, he have them on the phone, they could be in any, from any country, that's just who he is. Me, it's like, I don't talk to strangers. I'm sorry, you a stranger. You know, I have to make myself be friendly for kingdom business sake, amen. I grew up with like two best friends And so while he has these hundreds and dozens of friends I had, you can't even count my friends on one hand. You count my friends on two fingers, you know, and so that's the way I was. So you can imagine moving, going in this new life direction was an isolating season for me. It was a faith demanding season for me. I had to say, what do I believe in God's word? God's word says that once I say I do to this person, I claim I just love so much, that in in order for a household to be successful, you have to be in proper alignment. Just like in order for a business to be successful, it has to be in proper alignment. You're like the CEO or whoever is over the business, and then you may have some managers. And then there's just tier of position. You understand that on your job. You know, well, even in a household, in order for a household to be successful, there's a proper alignment that must take place in a household. And that proper alignment is called submission. Well, I've heard that all my life. I've heard studies being on it, going to Bible study, even in my teen years, in my early 20s. But it didn't apply to me. I didn't have to submit to no man. Praise the Lord. I'm a single woman. I do what I want. When I want, how I want. The only person I had to submit to was, of course, my mother. I don't know how many of you had a strong mom, but I had one of those moms where if I wanted to live and not die, I had to submit to my mother. <clears throat> I had to submit to God, and right after God was my mother. So now that I've said I do to this person, and the Bible says now I'm supposed to submit myself to somebody that I've, only, I've known less than two years, it's like, mm, should I follow the word or should I not follow the word? determined to follow the word. It was a faith demanding season to follow the word and be in proper alignment. Does that mean I'm a doormat and get cooped in my head and all that? No, 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 no. Alignment, alignment. And then it was an intimidating season. Intimidating because once I said, before I said I do, I had a a nice job. I was working in the school system. As a, a science teacher, and back then, people pursued you for jobs instead of you trying to hunt one down. I don't know what it's like now, but you know, if you're in the uh, sciences and school system, I didn't have any problems getting a job. Now I'm in Southern California. My certification does not apply in this in this in this state. I am going from place to place trying to find a job. I do not like the fact that in order for the sister to even have two dollars, I got to go ask this man. So it's like. I am. He's a wonderful husband and all, but sister need to have her own cash in some way, shape, or form. So I'm job hunting, and the only door that opened for me was a part-time, per-professional job in an elementary school. Intimidating season. I went from teaching high school and doing dissections and science experiments to now teaching part-time as a paraprofessional. You can imagine how much money I made back then. Intimidating, but it was the right direction. Right direction. Jesus was going in the right direction, but in his Gethsemane moment, he seemed concerned and struggling to find peace with his decision because he was in this earthly body. Are you going in the right direction based on all the facts you have now? Are you struggling with the decisions that you've made in life? Here's some tips for making sure you're going in the right direction. First of all, decide what is important to you and to those around you during the season. Decide what's important. What's important in your teen years is not what's important in your 20s and your 30s, 40s, 50s, so forth. And your teen years, what's important right now in the spring is what color is my prom dress? And who is the right person going to ask me to so the prom or I'm going to have to go hunt him down myself? You know, that's what's important. Or it might be what's important is which college application, which college is going to accept me? You know, that's what's important. Am I going to pass this exam? That's what's important. In your 20s, what's important is am I going to get a job in my field? You have to decide. If you want to go in the right direction, you have to first of all decide what is important in the season that I'm in today. Be clear of who you're trying to help. Be clear. Are you trying to help yourself? Are you trying to help your kids? Are you trying to help your parents? Are you Are trying to help your coworkers? Are you trying to advance your job? Be clear on who you're trying to help. Be consistent. Consistency is key. For those who say, I'm trying to work on, on, on my health, you have to do it consistently. You have to, you can't just, I've seen people say, um, okay, I'm going to follow. I've never done tithing before, so I'm going I'm to tithe. And it's like, okay, I'm waiting on God to open up the windows of heaven. It's like, "What? In the world? God is not like some little, little dice game or something like, hey, I'm going to give my tithes, and now I'm expecting an increase. What is that? You have to be consistent if you want to walk down the proper path. Be willing to sacrifice for the goal you have set. Be willing to be honest that there is a cost. The cost for Christ was his life. The cost for you to go in the right direction may be that your best friend is no longer your best friend. The cost for you to go in the right direction may be that you have to move into another move to another city. The cost or going in the right direction may be that you have to end that relationship with that person you love so much. What is the cost? And then finally, pray. In the verses that I shared with you at the beginning, Christ said, please don't forget to pray. Ask God. God said, if you, if you seek me for wisdom, he will give it to you liberally. Pray, and then once you pray, stop long enough to listen. Sometimes we just talk and say, come on, God, help me, Jesus. Oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All of this stuff going on. No, no, no. Okay, now that you've said it to God, stop and listen. Sometimes God will speak to you through a sermon. Sometimes God will speak through, through while you, you're reading your devotional. Sometimes God will speak to you through um, uh, something the pastor said. Uh, God speaks to pastor often even sometimes through secular books he'll be reading a book and he say, man that's a principle that God shared with me on he will give you confirmation I've shared with the other two services that my daughter declares that God speaks through the Lorax movie how many of you have seen the Lorax movie I don't get it I'm gonna have to I've seen Lorax twice I do not see God speaking through the Lorax but she declares all I see it is it's an environmental cartoon you know but she said oh that a priest you heard oh god i see the parallel in word of god god speak to her through the lorax movie and so all you have to do is pray and then listen and allow god to speak and bring confirmation to you as you take this path some of you are really good at listening at your friends and your and and some song spoke to you through the radio you need to pray and listen to god allow God to speak. Whenever you're making a decision about the direction in your life, it is natural to have concerns. We see that Jesus had concerns. It is natural to be a little slow to believe because even disciples were slow to believe. It is natural to struggle a little bit about a new direction because it's new. But if you never try the right direction, you have no idea of the blessings that God has for you. You can be afraid and say, I'm not gonna budge unless I have confirmation. But if you don't at least try going in the right direction, you never know what God has for you. Jeremiah 29, is one of my favorite verses. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So I can always be at peace knowing that if I choose to do the right thing, that God is going to direct me and he will never, ever, ever give me anything to harm me. He will only give me things that will prosper me, not harm me, and give me hope and a future. We heard today how Christ was going in the right direction even though many thought he was going in the wrong direction. And because he went in that right direction, it made me think of a hymn that I've heard for years and years. And the hymn says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. It was like it's going down that path, taking that direction. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. Now, for some of us, we just never even heard all the verses. But the verses are so powerful. It says, alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? He died on the cross for me. Would he devote that sacred head? For such a worm as I. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown. And love beyond degree. The love he had for you was amazing pity, grace unknown. And love beyond degree. But drops of grief can ne'er repay. The debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Come on and stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I pray, Lord God, that we don't just see this as an Easter season or a season to buy new outfits and so forth. But we see it as a season where the entire world must focus on you. They must hear the fact that you have died on the cross for the sins of the world. And now you're alive and well. And so this song at the cross, I pray, is a blessing to everyone in the house. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't know what happened to my musicians, but back in the day, had none. How many of you know the song, At the Cross? Let's try it. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy. All the day. Let's sing that again at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the, the burdens, burdens of my heart rolled away. away. It was there by faith. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I am guys don't have to play. That's okay. We're good. Alas and did. Alas and did my Savior bleed. And did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head? Would he devote that sacred head for such a work? Come on at the cross, at, at the, the cross, cross, at the cross, where I saw. and the burdens of my heart. tree the tree amazing pity grace unknown But drops of grief, but dry can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do at the cross. burdens of my heart rolled away
1: The life. So today I'm offering an invitation to you. At the cross, you can lay it all down. All your burdens, all your regrets, that lifestyle you can't seem to shake, you can lay it down at the cross. He's here today with extended arms. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and the heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. With every head bowed, today and every eye closed for the right of privacy if you're in the house today and you want to lay it all down at the cross you want to make a change and you don't know how this is the way Jesus say I'm the way I'm the truth I'm the life if you're that person today would you simply just raise your hand and put it back down just let me see you where you are thank you Jesus come on here today lay it all down at the altar God is here Extending his hand for you, his blood was shed for the remission of your sins. Anybody else in the house today, just raise your hand. Just lift it up and put it back down. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Come on and thank God. Hallelujah. And if there is anyone here, you need to plant yourself in a church. We want to recognize you today as well. Would you lift your hand and put it down? You say, I need a place to grow. I received Christ, but now I need a place to go to learn. Raise your hand and put it down. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you today to repeat after me. You who have lifted your hand and lifted your heart, if you're there online, I need you to repeat with me today, Father, Today, I receive Jesus as my personal Savior. I believe in my heart that he died for my sins. I ask you today, come into my heart. Strengthen me, Lord, where I need strength. And lead me in the way everlasting. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on and put your hands together this today. Thank God. Hallelujah.